0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Evergreen. I'm Pastor Andrew. It's my pleasure to share from God's word this morning. It's my prayer that you would be encouraged today and you'd be inspired in relationship with Jesus Christ as we look at the word together. And I would encourage you to ask the spirit of the living God to speak to you today, to move in your heart and in your mind to ask him to reveal himself to you and what he wants to do in and through your life after today's service together and so let's look right to the word and first i just want to tell you that this morning i like to chat with you about the power and presence of jesus in our life specifically the authentic transformation that can occur that does occur because of the baptism of the holy spirit we know that the holy spirit and the spirit of god are one in the same part of the triune god and that this holy spirit is like a consuming fire it's a positive thing, the vehicle of our transformation into the likeness of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1 that all spiritual blessings are fulfilled in Jesus Christ, that in him we've been predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus, to be developing our character that is like Christ. And it's not just a single day Journey. I mean, I wish it was, it'd be great that overnight you flip a six, boom, we're just like Jesus. And so we know this is an ongoing process. It's like a road trip. Day by day, we're experiencing this sanctification, both instantaneous and progressive, where there's things we have victory over and things are of character of Christ are being replicated in our life. And some things take time. And what I want to emphasize here today is that in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, there is also the work with the empowerment to witness and boldly proclaim how God is moving in and through our life. And so I want to encourage us this morning that our attitude towards God's spirit matters. Our attitude towards his spirit matters because a receptive soul equals spiritual growth. In all things in life, when we're receptive and open to change, change can occur. And so there's been this word in preparing for this message. The word shaken has just been so prominent in my mind. And what's really cool, there's actually a passage in Scripture talking about uh, the followers of Christ, Peter and John, the believers, as they were gathered together, that they were shaken by the Holy Spirit. And what happened is, before we read this passage, is that they were told by the Jewish leaders of the time to cease and desist in spreading the good news about Jesus Christ, the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of God's redemptive plan through the Messiah, who is Jesus Christ. They wanted them to stop it, to cut it out or else. But it was difficult for them to stop them because through them, in the midst of them, I shouldn't uh stress is that God was at work but by his power people were being healed there were signs and wonders he was bringing wholeness wholeness to their life peace that can only come through Jesus Christ let's look at Acts chapter 4 starting in verse 25 now that we kind of have a a bearing of what I'm referring to and uh, Peter says this you said to the Holy Spirit by the mouth of your father David your servant why did the Gentiles rage And the peoples plot futile things. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in the city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and your will had predestined to take place. You gotta love their humility here. Whatever you predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with boldness. There was no rosy glasses on here. They realized that there was difficulty. There was challenging time of living for Jesus in their world. He says, while you stretch out your hand for healing and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Again, the emphasis that this happens, signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In verse 31, we want to park and emphasize When they had prayed together, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. I'm going to say it again, fire for effect, if you will. When they had prayed, the place where they assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God. But we gotta love that when we pray that God hears, he's attentive to our prayers. When we call upon the name of the Lord, we are saved. And he also comes to our aid in empowering us to witness. As Jesus promised that you will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth until the end of the age, I am with you. Here's this promise that he is with us. And so this word shaken, And by definition, speaks of an event that results in a change of mood or attitude. We see that Peter and John, the other believers, they were hard-pressed. They were told to cease and desist, and it can get difficult. They could become deflated. But they decided, no, no, I'm not going to listen to the words of men. I'm not going to focus on their commentary on what's going on around me. I'm going to look to God. And they, they made their petition before God with thanksgiving, praising God that through him, things are predestined and he's working things together in their midst and among them. And so I want to emphasize today, as we keep going, that being shaken is a positive thing because it provides an opportunity for climate change. What I mean by that is change in our attitude and our focus to be more receptive to the prompting and life change by the power of God's Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter one, Paul says that we've been conformed to the image of Christ's son, that through him, we can be brought into his likeness, that we have adoption into the family of God, that we have the forgiveness of sins and redemption through his blood, that through Christ, we have peace with God and peace with each other. And we're united in common purpose and focus. And that as we're day by day being led by his spirit in our midst, that we are becoming imitators of God, living for him, living, coming near to the light, allowing the light to work in and through our life because Jesus is the light of the world and exposing those things, those, those dark deeds, the darkness that God is eradicating for our life, for our good and those that we come in contact with. And so the indwelling ministry of the Holy Spirit is important. So we're going to look to the book of Acts chapter 19. We're going to see how it's, uh, how it's just apparent how God moves in the midst of those who believe in him and trust in him. Now, in Acts 19, uh, ministry has gone on in Ephesus. It's focused in the city of Ephesus. And Ephesus was the capital of Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And the inhabitants included Greeks and a significant number of Jews. And we know, as historians tell us, that it was a place of civic and religious power. At the time of Paul's arrival, Ephesus was the largest city, third largest city, sorry, in the Roman Empire. It was a dynamic and prosperous city full of economic development, thanks to the many roads that went in and around and through Ephesus and stretched out into the interior of Asia, Minor, which was seated along the coastline of the Mediterranean and the Aegean Sea. Now historians highlight that Rome liked to send their citizens in force, if you will, as a colonial strategy to protect the interests of the empire. And when the interests of the empire was worship of the emperor and other gods, including worship of their so-called gods. And so Ephesus was a hub of religious activity. In fact, there was a prominent goddess in Ephesus called Artemis, the goddess of fertility. And apparently this Artemis is the sister to Apollo, who was the sun god and god of healing. And I just say all that to say that Ephesus was, was a religious place that Worship and devotion to a God was common. And so when Paul arrived, he steps on scene, but continues the work of ministry that had already been laid. The groundwork of the ministry had already been laid through a man by the name of Apollos, a fervent Jewish Christian. And that he was preaching about Jesus fervently and eloquently, I may add, as stressed in Acts chapter 18. We're going to quickly go to Acts chapter 18, verse 24 says this. Now a Jew named Apollos, a native Axeladarian, an eloquent man who was competent in the use of scriptures, arrived in Ephesus. He'd been instructed the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately about Jesus, although he knew only John's baptism. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and after Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained the way of God to him more accurately. And he just got to love that we're all in this together, as bellers and sisters in Christ, as shown by Priscilla and Aquila, who were um, colleagues of Paul, believers of Christ, and that they were explaining the way of God a little bit more accurately to him. We got to love when that encouragement comes alongside, not to, to feed us and make us stop, but encourage us along the way. And it even says in verse 27, when he wanted to cross over to Achaia, which was to the west of Ephesus across the Aegean Sea, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome him. And after he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed for he vigorously refuted the Jews in public demonstrating through the scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. And I I say all that to stress that the ground was indeed prepared by Apollos, Priscilla, and Aquila. They championed each other and it made Paul's ministry work that much easier. Paul stressed uh, to the Corinthians, I believe, that he says that some plant, some water, But it's God who gives the growth. Some of us plant, some of us water, and God is going to give the growth. So we can trust that this morning, that whatever we put our hands to, whether we're planting or watering, God will give the growth as we trust in him. So let's go to verses 1 through 7 in Acts 19. It says here, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they told him. We haven't even heard that there is a spirit. (laughs) Into what were you then baptized? Paul asked. Into John's baptism, they replied. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him. That is in Jesus. And when they had heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in other tongues and to prophesy. Now there were about 12 men and all. So we can see here, Paul steps on scene and he encounters these disciples of Apollos. And we can see that perhaps they were compelled and moved by the teachings of Apollos, but maybe not quite yet had progressed beyond the enticed sage. Of being full believers. And yet because of their statement it's more than more than likely that they believe fully because of the adequate fervent teachings of apostle of Apollos about Jesus, but maybe just shy of being taught that Jesus is the fulfillment of the baptism that John the Baptist was proclaiming was to come and that through this baptism in Jesus name believers experience both forgiveness of sins, along with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, empowering them to witness. So forgiveness of sins and empowering them to witness. Wow, that's amazing. That's part of that spiritual blessing we have in Jesus. The forgiveness of our sins, redemption through his blood, and that because we believe in him, we've been marked by his Holy Spirit, a deposit, a guarantee of the inheritance to come. And that this spirit baptism is for all who believe in Jesus Christ. Look what John the Baptist said as recorded in Luke 3, 16. John answered them, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the strap of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Oh, you got to love that. Baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Paul declares this on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit has been Uh, poured out where the promised Holy Spirit has come as Jesus declared. And people say, well, what must we do? What must we do in response to the gospel message about the kingdom of God being fulfilled through Jesus Christ as evidenced by these works that are to be done by the Holy Spirit? And so Peter responds by saying, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. While we've all received uh, great gifts from different loved ones and folk, but we got love that God in his good pleasure gives us his Holy Spirit to be with us, guide us, teach us, purify us in our thought life and our, our life as a whole and empower us to witness for him. And so we can see here that baptism in Jesus represents both cleansing power and power to witness. They probably know that the word baptize comes from the Greek word baptizo, which means immerse, submerge, or dip. And in fact, Jesus did not stop this form of water baptism, right? When he says this in the Great Commission, when he says, go into all the world, preaching the good news, teaching everyone what I have taught you, and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so he continued this practice because public declaration is important because it's this conscious act this part on our behalf of our acknowledgement for him while declaring public cooperation the holy spirit's agency in our life and so i just want to emphasize and park on spirit baptism for a moment so we've already covered that immersion means to be just covered completely by the holy spirit jesus said this in acts 1 4 Do not leave Jerusalem, and he's speaking to his fathers, but wait for the gift of my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I know I already shared that earlier, but it's a fire for effect. This is Jesus' words himself. And there's wonderful imagery here. I'm a very visual person. And so this is really neat. In studying these words, we can see because we know what immerse means to be completely covered, but we're completely covered in power, which in the Greek is dunamis, which means you probably know dynamite. I know you want to say it. Dynamite. We have been immersed with power from on And then we receive this power. What's interesting here in studying this, I was just blown away. I didn't realize this in studying the, the key words here. But apparently, the Greek word here, meaning receive power, is lambino. I think I'm saying that right, lambino. The emphasis, apparently, is not solely a voluntary acceptance here, but an act of taking hold of it, possessing it say it again, an act of taking hold of it and possessing it. And so we're publicly declaring, Lord Jesus, come in my life with power. Move in and through my life. I yield my life to you and I will be obedient to your will and your purpose. This is the positive thing. So the question I have for us this morning as I speak to myself, are we passionately taking hold? Are we taking hold, embracing the working power of God and what he wants to do in our life. And you have to love the words that the spirit will be poured out upon you. Poured out is for all who profess faith in Jesus Christ. It didn't say he'll pour out his Holy Spirit on some who believe, it says all who believe in Jesus will be immersed. Look at Acts chapter two, verse 33. Therefore, since he has been exalted to the right hand of God, and speaking of Jesus, and has received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, He has poured out what you both see and hear. I remember when I was baptized with the Holy Spirit. I was 16 years old. And just back up for a moment, I gave my life to Jesus at the age of nine, as my mom led me to belief and faith in Jesus. And he was with me and working through me in my life. But something specific, something tangible happened when I was 16 years old, that it was in this room with other young believers. There was a ministry team at this church event we were at. It was like a youth event. And I publicly declared pretty well audibly that, Lord, I want my life to be guided, empowered by you. And make long story short, it felt like what was fire came over my body and I began to speak in tongues. I don't believe it was other languages. No one said, oh, Andrew, you're speaking French or Italian, man. But I was speaking in tongues, which emphasized that God was at work In my life. And so, as believers in Jesus' name, we are covered with, we are immersed in, filled, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, all of which are a tremendous gift from God. And that's why I believe that this supplemental teaching on the baptism in Jesus' name was so important for Paul to address. In his book, The Acts of the Apostles, David Peterson writes this regarding this. Story in Acts 19 about the followers of Apollos being baptized in the name of Jesus. He says this It was the apparently dramatic inauguration, the appropriately dramatic inauguration, I should say, of Paul's ministry in this city where God's spirit would be remarkably at work, opposing the power of magic and false religion and winning many people to Christ throughout the region. Specifically, at another level, It was related to the identity and need of these particular men as those influenced in some way by the ministry of John the Baptist, that they were brought collectively into the community established by Jesus and his disciples through the spirit. And so we can see that public declaration is important. Let's go to verses uh, eight and 10 of Acts 19. It says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly over a period of three months arguing and persuading them about the kingdom of god but when some believe or when some became hardened and would not believe slandering the way in front of the crowd he withdrew from them taking the disciples and conducted discussions every day in the lecture hall of tyrannus this went on for 2 years so that all the residents of asia both jews and greeks heard the word of the lord you have to love this this modeling that we have here of of Paul shows us the importance of declaring the gospel of holding nothing back, even in the face of resistance. In Acts 20, actually, it says about Paul that it was very common for him to go into synagogues and also go from house to house. It says that he did not hold back or resist and proclaim the whole plan of God. Even if it made people apparently uncomfortable. But he did it in a very tactful way. He came to them with persuasive words, but also, as he told the Corinthians, with a demonstration of the Lord's power. And so verses 9 through 10 show us what to do when we meet resistance. Paul says that they resisted because of hardening of their heart. And we know this through John chapter 3, that when Christ came into the world, who's the, the, the hope of our salvation, and then believing in him that we have eternal life, that he is the light of the world and his light illuminates our life. And it says in John chapter 3, 17 to 21, that there are those who don't want to come to the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But the beautiful thing is the faith in Jesus Christ. He doesn't hold us against us. Our accounts are clean, made clean. And all that God sees because of our faith in Christ is the blood of Christ that we have been forgiven once and for all. But that's the beautiful thing about free will that you and I have a choice every day to reflect the light, come near to the light or to expel it, to slap a cease and desist on the light who is Jesus moving by his Holy Spirit in our life. And so Paul's response to the resistance here is similar to the followers of Jesus Christ who were sent out two by two to proclaim the kingdom of God. It says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, Jesus says this, if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that house or town. So when people resisted the message, they were to move on and moving on doesn't have to carry a negative emotion. All it means is, okay, we planted seed, someone else will water and God will get the growth. And so we can take this and say, people may love us for the message that we bring. They may be receptive to that message and they also may, they may in fact curse us and call us all kinds of names. Jesus said this would happen. Paul said that we would be persecuted and called all kinds of names for wanting to follow Jesus, who is the way. But that's the thing about spiritual growth, right? It involves learning to move on, to keep sharing in the midst of resistance, to keep on praising in the midst of resistance, to keep on trusting in Jesus, After all, scripture says it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance. The fact that Jesus died for all the sins of the world and that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're a work in progress. We're on this journey. It's not a day trip. As I said, it's a road trip. And the Lord is working in us uh, instantaneously and progressively by his Holy Spirit. And so we can see here from the story in Acts 19 that Paul's departure created opportunity for others to hear the message of God's kingdom. Let's look, look at verses 11 through 12. God was performing extraordinary miracles by Paul's hands. So that even face cloths or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Now, some of the itinerant Jews, Jewish exorcists, also attempted to pronounce the name of the Lord Jesus over those who who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. We're going to stop there for a second. We can see that the Holy Spirit was at work through Paul. Again, the emphasis was on God was at work doing extraordinary miracles, which means that miracles were common, that miracles were happening in their midst, sometimes by demonic um working in people's lives. But here, this is clearly God at work that even by the apron, which a scholar stated were sweat cloths that belonged to Paul, that he carried wore when he was doing his work, making tents, that the very presence of these aprons touching the skin of these people, that they were healed, diseases left and evil spirits were removed. And it emphasizes that the power and presence of God will be front and center. And when it's authentic, it is authentic. This is similar to what happened in Acts chapter five, where the Holy Spirit was moving in the midst of Peter. Check this out in verse 12. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes, both men and women. And as a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. I what I love this, I just I just it's my prayer and desire that as we, we allow our, our, our spirit to be a climate for the Holy Spirit to to move and to work among us, that we will see people out and about. asking believing for God to move in their life we see people coming to our homes knocking on the doors and even just coming into contact with us because God is so powerfully among us they would be healed of disease and even freed of oppressive spirits I don't believe that it was contained with time and season I believe that it is for today and that these accounts highlight point to God's work that solely belongs to him, that we're along for the ride, right? Again, that road trip, we're along for the ride as he brings wholeness. Listen to verses 13 to 16. I love this verse, not because I like poking fun at those who try to pretend and mimic God's power, but it shows what can happen when people think they can just mimic God. Verses 13 to 16. Again, i had already said that some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists were attempting to pronounce the name of Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I command you by the Jesus that Paul preaches. And the seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish high priest, were doing this. And by the way, just stop for a moment, that according to scholars, that there was no such high priest named Sceva at the time. And so the evil spirit answered them, I know Jesus, and I recognize Paul, But who are you? Wow. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them and prevailed against them so that they ran out of that house naked and wounded. And when this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, they became afraid and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high esteem. What this shouts is that pretenders may try to mimic the power of God, try to wield it, buy it, and add it to their list of connotations and magic formulas, but God's power can simply not be copied. And I believe it emphasizes that this issue is the matter of the heart, pretenders seeking the power for profit and personal gain. That doesn't happen in the church today, right? We don't use it for personal gain or personal profit. It's because that the enemy of our souls, Lucifer Lucifer the devil, is engaging in a spiritual warfare wanting to deceive us, tactically trying to get us to move away from how God's, how God wants us to live and to act and to, to try and wield the gift of the Holy Spirit for our own personal profit and gain. And at this time, in Paul's time, it wasn't uncommon for Jews, although the biblical law told them otherwise, that they would, in order to make a name for themselves, would mix their religion with the occult in order to... uh. Have stature with local officials to be brought into their employment. And so they would create a repertoire of incantations, which are magic formulas, to trigger a magical effect on a person. But we know already from this story, as emphasized through Acts 19 in our own life, that God works his power and that it is his power alone. And that he's working in the midst of us who are believers and followers of Jesus Christ, because otherwise, it is nothing more than just an attempt to copy, to mimic. And so we've seen what the result of pretending is. There's no power. There's no real transformation. It's just a show. It's just emotion. Jesus said this in John 15, 4, 5. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. And the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. That says it all. We can do nothing without Jesus. Church, the spiritual battle, it's real. We battle against the spiritual forces, as I said, Lucifer, the devil, the enemy of our souls, And we could get deflated and sometimes we do, but I believe we can be encouraged by Paul's exhortation to the believers in Ephesus as was shown in his letter to the Ephesians in chapter six, where he says to resist, encourages them to stand in the strength of the Lord against evil. And how do we do that? By putting on the armor of God. By putting on the armor of God. After all, Satan and his forces are fighting a lost battle. Amen. They're, they're not going to win the day. Jesus has already won the victory on the cross as we're shown in Colossians that he has disarmed the powers and principalities through his saving victorious work on the cross. That's why I love how it says in Ephesians 6 verse 13, for this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with the truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest and your feet standled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and you he love here the emphasis. It doesn't say some of the flaming arrows. It says all of the arrows, and so that means the only power that the enemy has in and through our life is the power that we give it—the words that we allow him to speak over our life. Even if we allow community to be our commentary and tell us how that we should be living and acting accordingly, but rather we need to be listening to the the life-giving spirit of God that tells us how we are to live and to be imitators of God. Look at verse 18 and pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for the saints. So what's incredible here is that as we put on this armor, there's this public, there's this personal encounter that we experience in the spiritual realm, but there's also this public encounter and we have choices to make every day. And by Paul's declaration in the, in the story here in Acts 19, we can see the result of his ministry, the result of what happened with the seven sons of Sceva, that the crowds benefited because Jesus's name was lifted up. Let's look at verse 17 again. When this became known to everyone who lived in Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, they became afraid and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high esteem. And many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices, while many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. And so they calculated their value and found to be 50,000 pieces of silver. Wow. In this way, the word of the Lord flourished and prevailed. And so we can see, as we know in our own life, news travels fast. Whatever, whatever's going on, good, bad, the ugly news travels fast. People hear it and they can flock to it. And this encounter of the seven sons of Sceva encountering demonic activity was all the talk of the town. But even greater than that was that the name of the Lord was lifted up. The name of the Lord was lifted up. The people in Ephesus were shaken but it created a climate for the name of the Lord to be declared. And for what had to happen? Faith to arise. Jesus promised this in John chapter 12, verse 32. As for me, if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. Amen. If Jesus Christ is lifted up in our life, we will be lifted up with him. Every circumstance, every every struggle every hurdle that we face we lift up christ that he's going to move powerfully in that circumstance and even give us strength to endure as the bible says in those circumstances and so we can trust as i've said earlier that he will bring wholeness to our life because of our faith in him and we can see through verses 18 to 20 i'm wrapping up shortly here was that fruit was the result that because Jesus was lifted up in their midst, that they renounced their practices, the Bible says, in a very definitive and costly manner. They were burning their books of spells, which signal what? They were, this wasn't a virtual uh, virtue signaling. This was happening that they were signaling lost wages, lost profits. They were starting a whole new chapter, if you will, because their pocketbooks were were hit, not just individually, but collectively to a whopping cost of several million dollars. That's the conversion of silver today. Today's dollars would have been several millions of dollars. And it makes me think of this. Jesus said, anyone who wants to follow me must pick up their cross daily and follow me. And that's in Luke 9, chapter 23. And that just shows... That day by day, because of free will, we have a choice to make, to count the cost. What are the things that we're willing to give up? What are the things that we're willing to surrender to experience wholeness in our life? Will we be receptive to the light or repel the light? As we can see in the story in Acts 19, a whole city was shaken. The way that people go their business was challenged and transformed. I'm believing that for our city, not for a negative thing, for people's wages and profits to be lost, but rather that they would be shaken by the living God, that they would come into a personal life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, our Messiah, and they would experience what it's like to follow him, that there is an exchange that occurs. There's an exchange that occurs. They experience power as they're filled with his spirit because they believe in Jesus who is mighty to save. And so in closing, I say to you, I say to myself, what needs to be shaken in our life? What is God's Holy Spirit showing you? What is he speaking to you? What is he saying over you today? Every day, the Holy Spirit will reveal the things that need to be shaken. And being shaken can be a positive experience because it creates the climate for us to be receptive to what God wants to do in our life in exchange for the better bitterness for joy, right? Anger for peace, unforgiveness with love, and the list goes on. Allow that list to be propagated in your mind this morning, not as a a checking things off to say, look at me and wearing a badge on your sleeve, but rather of being receptive, open, humble before the life-giving power of God's Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you this morning that as we continue on this journey of being conformed into the likeness of Jesus, let's embrace his consuming fire the day by day we're being transformed we are being renewed we're experiencing wholeness and that fruit is important my father would always say the fruit the glorious fruit that only God can bring in our life it is his power at work and we are along for the ride that he's working in our midst and so as we go today keep in mind that we all have testimonies to share about the goodness of God in our life. I am I'm so thankful how God has worked in my life and the victories that he's, that he's giving me and the victories that He's working in my life even now that He's working through you and I as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, moves in us, shakes us to be receptive to His incredible, life-changing work. And the work, the powerful, even the extraordinary, belongs to God in the agency of His Holy. Spirit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we have by being encouraged by your word. May we be moved, may we be stirred, may we be shaken by your Holy Spirit this morning that we would experience your life-giving power. Father, thank you for your cleansing power, the forgiveness of our sins, and that you're enabling us to be your witnesses to be a, a witnesses to what you're doing in our midst, Lord, that you're bringing victory into our lives and the lives of people in Simcoe. We we proclaim Simcoe in your name, Lord Jesus, that people will come to know you, Lord. They will come to know the saving grace. They will come to a Christ-saved life because you love them and you bring peace and wholeness to their life. And Lord, their life in you will not be bold, um, will not be dull, I mean, definitely not dull. But Lord, it's exciting that you work into our life and that you change us you transform us for the better and the goal the product the byproduct is to be more like you jesus and so i say come lord jesus fill us today move in and through us individually and as a church body may you be glorified and lifted up today and you can join with me in saying church that we ask all of this in the mighty name of jesus Amen. God bless you, Evergreen. Have a wonderful day in the presence of God.